I know they say money isn't everything, but look at this graph over here. An entry-level software engineer at Google with no experience can make about $120,000 base and about $20,000 in bonus. So that means straight out of university with no experience, you can be making about $140,000. That's a lot of money. Hey guys, Tommy Wu here, and in today's video, I am going to be doing a tutorial on how to start coding in 2019. Let's get to it. But before I can talk about how to start coding, you probably want to know why you should even start coding. Who cares about coding, right? Well, I want to show you guys a little graph first. Now, I know they say money isn't everything, but look at this graph over here. An entry-level software engineer at Google with no experience can make about $120,000 base and about $20,000 in bonus. So that means straight out of university with no experience, you can be making about $140,000. That's a lot of money. But honestly, there is actually a lot more reasons as to, be, uh, to learn coding than just making a lot of money. Like I would say personally for me, I think maybe 40%, okay, 50% of my reason on why I decided to become a software engineer was about money. The other 50% was about really freedom and impact. Freedom in the sense like you can work from anywhere you want, you don't need any expensive certifications to become a software engineer or to become a coder. Well, software engineer, yeah, but that's a different story. But to work as a developer or as a coder, you don't need any sort of expensive certification. And most importantly, impact. With just an idea, hard work in a laptop, you can build a product that can reach many, many, many people. There's very few fields that this that this um, thing applies to. Right? Like, it's not really true if you're a software engineer or si Damn. So for example, like if you're a chemical engineer or a civil engineer, like that doesn't really apply. You need to get you know capital, get a bunch of people in order for you to reach a lot of people, start a company, things like that. Also, even if you don't want to work as a developer as full time, the ability to code can make your life easier in a lot of ways. So for example, like writing auto automating emails, um, making your own personal website for your own, like to display your, your work, scripts to download stuff you need, and helpful little life hacks. And if you decide to transition to a different career, employers really tend to value technical people like software engineers and developers. So for example, I know when I was recruiting for um, consulting and investment banking in the past, um, they really, really tried to get people who studied STEM because they showed that you know you can learn a lot of things fast, you're very technical, you're very analytical, things like that. So beyond just the money, there are a lot of intangible reasons why you should become a software engineer. But the money's nice. So how did this guide work? So one of the things I've realized is that the hardest part of any change most people want to make in their life is usually revolving getting started. And not just getting started, but what to do next. So I really try to broke this down into a lot of systematic ways of things you should do next. And it's also going to be very opinionated. Now again, in life, there's no one size fits all. Sometimes X works, sometimes Y works. But I know that personally for me, whenever I'm, I'm trying to get advice on something, people say, oh, you can do X, but you can also do Y. But they don't actually tell you which one you, you think you should do. Sometimes you just end up getting more overwhelmed with all the information. So this is going to be very opinionated. I'm going to say, pick X and let's go. Just because that way we can spend less time debating between X and Y and more time just building stuff. So, another thing you want, so whenever you're trying to get in, another thing to, that's very important to cover is how you learn and why you might quit. So I think that the best way to learn is just by doing and typically what that means is that I find a tutorial on how to do what I'm trying to do, copy it word for word, 
and I slightly add my own little modifications, my own little tweaks, and then gradually over time you understand how X works or how the thing you're trying to do works. I also recommend experimenting with lots of different ways of learning. Like you can try learning through audiobooks, not audiobooks, um, YouTube videos or videos, blog posts. You can try learning by tutorials and see which way gives you the steepest learning curve. Okay, tools to use. Um, so what tools should you use? So personally for me, I use a MacBook Air. I used to have a MacBook Pro and I still have a MacBook Pro, but my op but I have a Mac I use a MacBook Air now. And then at first I was a bit worried because I felt like a developer wouldn't be powerful enough, but for most of you, what you need to do, a MacBook Air will be powerful enough and it's very light. The only problem is $1,300 for a laptop. That's obviously very expensive. Fortunately, there's this really cool thing called um, Chromebooks. And basically what it is, it's a laptop. It's like a, it's a web browser on a laptop. But more importantly, it's very, very cheap. So this one is an example, $280. That's about a quarter of the price of a MacBook. And then you can even get like a fancy touchscreen one for about 649 bucks. So this is um, the Asus Chromebook Flip. And so you're probably wondering, okay, well, if I get a Chromebook, which is just basically a web browser, how am I going to write code? Again, there's another very cool tool. And all of these is called Cloud9. And basically what Cloud9 is, it's an IDE. So basically allows you to write code in the cloud in a web browser. So even if you don't decide to get a Chromebook, I highly recommend you check out Cloud9. And finally, GitHub. GitHub is going to be your best friend. A lot of people, um, when they first get started, they get overwhelmed because GitHub can be a bit hard to get started with. But trust me, in the long run, you will be so glad that you learned and started using GitHub. So next, what are the different types of coding? I said how to start coding, but what does that even mean? So there's many types, web, mobile, hardware. I think that if you're beginning, you want to optimize for what I call learning speed or learning velocity. In other words, you want to try and see what's going to allow you to learn new concept as quickly as possible. That's going to also keep you from getting discouraged. And for that, I recommend starting off with web development. Um, there's a lot of reasons for this. I think the biggest one will probably be the fact that um, it's easier for people to access web apps than it is for them to access mobile apps. And I wrote two articles about this which you guys can check out and read more later on. But um, the gist of it being that it's easier for people to use your app if it's a web app than if it's a mobile app. And also, again, if you're starting out and you're optimizing for learning speed and learning velocity and you're trying to ship products as quickly as possible, it's easier to do that with a web app than with a mobile app or a hardware product. So I, I wrote two articles about that. You can check it out to find out more on why I think web is the best way to get started. This is a meme. It's not really that funny, so I'm going to skip it. Okay, now we said web development. What languages should you learn? I think probably the best way to pick languages to learn, again, this is another way people can get stuck debating for hours, is just find out what is everyone else using. So there's this really cool graph by Stack Overflow called the Developer Survey, and essentially finds that by far the most popular programming language is JavaScript. And that makes sense too, because if you're gonna do a web app, 95%, okay, I made that number up, but a lot of websites use JavaScript. So JavaScript, so I recommend you should start learning JavaScript. HTML, CSS, they're all part of JavaScript if you want to build websites. SQL and Bash are not really programming languages in the sense that you can't really make a web app or an app using SQL and Bash. So that really leaves Java and Python as number two. Java, you could use Java. People are sort of moving away from Java now more towards Python. And also, again, the syntax of Python is very beginner friendly. So I would recommend JavaScript and Python as the two programming languages you should learn first. All right, front-end development. 
So the first thing to know about when you're learning a new programming language is instead of trying to reinvent the wheel and build things from scratch, use frameworks to make your life a lot easier. So for example, one of the first websites that I ever made, I used raw, plain HTML and CSS JavaScript. Bad idea. Don't reinvent the wheel of things like Angular, React, and Vue.js. Our frameworks that already exist will make your life a lot easier. Um, there's, again, there's no point like debating too much time between which is better, because again, like it's all really a matter of opinion. Personally, I recommend just use React because everyone else is using React, and you can find lots of different articles to rationalize all the different frameworks. So for example, I built the site Attila in Angular, but React could have been a good choice if you just given a good choice. They're all good options. But I personally recommend that you start with React because it's the most popular framework. Pretty simple. Um, so again, like I said, the best way to learn is by doing. So like I said, the best way to learn React is by doing projects in React. Step three, it's a very simple three-step process. Step one, find a good tutorial. Step two, copy it word for word. Step three, modify it slightly and add your own little variations on it and repeat. That's all you have to do. And don't worry if, at first if you don't understand exactly what you're doing because if you do enough tutorials and you add your own modifications and just in the process of you debugging and adding new features, you also have to fundamentally understand what exactly is happening. So there's a so if you um, if you go to the link in the description below, you'll find the blog post with the slide deck accompanying this video. There's a bunch of really good links on how to learn React. So just go to those um, tutorials. Dave Setti is a good place to start. And then you basically just cover all the different ways you can learn React. I think honestly, the key to front-end web development is not so much high IQ. It's really just down to creativity and persistence. And I don't even want to say creativity because some people will say, well, I'm not creative. It's really more so just about persistence. You're going to try to do something. You're going to run into a bug. Literally just copy and paste exactly what problem you're trying to face and just paste it into Google. The chances are whatever problem you're facing, hundreds of people before you face it as well. The answer is somewhere on the internet. The key, the key part though is basically knowing how to take the problem that you have and putting it into Google in such a way that you'll get the results you want. And then that again just comes by persistence and trial and error. So yeah, this is very important. When you, when you finish making a product, I recommend you do two things. Okay, so now this step is very important. When you finish making a product, I recommend you do two things. Step one, make them share it with your friends and family. And step two, teach people how you made it. Let me explain step one. The reason why I think you should share with your friends and family is that we human beings are fundamentally social creatures. The reason why I think you should share it with your friends and family is because we human beings are fundamentally social creatures. If you show something to your friends and family, a if they're you know supportive, they're gonna react positively, and that's gonna make you feel good. And then you want to, and then you're gonna want to show them more stuff so then they can keep on reacting positive, so you can keep on feeling good. Basic biology. Step two is that you're gonna want to make sure that they see something that you also know that because other people are gonna see and they're gonna judge you. You want to make sure that it's something that is going to be um, of good quality. So it's going to make you want to put your work at a higher standard. Step two, teaching some teaching people. First of all, I want to be very clear. Teaching doesn't necessarily mean like having a webinar or having a classroom or something like that. If you just basically document, when I say teaching, it basically means document how you learned the process as if you were going to teach someone else. I've generally found that when you have an idea in your head and it's so, you sort of understand it but sort of don't, the best way to really crystallize the understanding in your head is by communicating it to another person just so that we can really find the gaps in your knowledge and then fill those gaps. 
So again, teaching can come in very many different forms. If you just write a blog post or if you just make a video, you don't even have to share with anyone. Just a simple act of making that content is a good way to crystallize your own knowledge. And this is basically what I what I said earlier on. GitHub. So GitHub is going to be your worst enemy than your best friend. Getting started can be very painful. And I think that for your first one or two projects, don't even worry about using GitHub. Just because you're going to get so overwhelmed by GitHub that you might want to quit. So maybe for your first project, that's not a big deal. Not using this GitHub is fine. But I, I really recommend, by strongly recommend, that by project number two, project three, you start learning how to do GitHub. You look at the different tutorials. I've linked them all below. And that way, in the short term, it will be painful. But in the long term, you'll be glad you did it. Next, backend engineering. So first of all, why is backend engineering important? And why do I think, honestly, it's more important than front-end development in some ways? So let's look at this little graph over here. Can, just zoom in? Can we zoom in? Okay. So backend engineering is the reason why Google in 2013 was a $59 billion company and Bing was a $3 billion company. And then if you look at profit, $13 billion versus losing money at $1.3 billion. And really it comes down to this. If you go on the if you go on the Bing homepage and you go on the Google homepage, more or less they kind of look the same. Like in terms of the front end, they pretty much kind of look the same. But where the value added really comes in is in the back end. Google servers, Google architecture, Google's technology stack is just far more superior than Bing's backend stack, which is why one company is vastly more successful and has a vastly more useful product than the other product. And that's where backend engineering comes in. So I think the best way to start learning backend engineering is by building REST API services. Um, basically what this means is that if you build a server that can basically take in from, that gets a request from a client and serves that information back to the user, that's a really good way to sort of dip your toes into backend engineering. So for example, I have a simple REST API here that you can check out. All right, so the basic idea is that you, you, you go to a certain URL, you ask for a scholarship, and it basically sends you information back about scholarships. And then um, also I have op open source some of the code as well. So if you want to see sort of the code behind how that app works, you can check out the code here on GitHub. So personally for me, so if you guys remember earlier on in the video, I said that the best language to start out with is Python. And I also said that if you're trying to learn a new language, don't reinvent the wheel, don't start from scratch, use a framework. So Python framework, Django. So I like Python again, one of the most popular programming languages. You can start right from the command line. You can get started very quickly with the language, very intuitive syntax, and I also, Python is very, very used extensively in data science as well. So a lot of the, you know, a lot of the skills you're going to learn in, um, from, you know, regular web programming, front-end programming, or back-end programming that you're going to use in Python, you can transfer a lot of the, your domain expertise if you decide to go into data science, which we'll talk more about later on. Yeah, so like I said, Django's a good one. So is a good one to use. I actually think you should start off with Flask because it's a lot more beginner-friendly, and that's what I started off with as well. The Django REST framework, so like I said, Python is a framework, 
Django as a framework. And then if you want to build a REST API, the Django REST framework is another really good framework that you can check out as well. Also, um, like I said, I personally really like Python, but I found that Ruby on Rails seems to be very popular as well. I've never used it before, but based on the fact that a lot of people are using it, I'm sure that means it's probably very good. So you can check out Ruby on Rails as well. That's the Django REST framework. So how exactly should you go about learning backend engineering? So first, I recommend you build a very simple REST API server. To keep you engaged, I recommend you pick a topic or a REST API server that serves data on a topic that you're actually interested in. So for example, I'm interested in basketball and soccer or football. So one thing you could do, for example, is you could basically build a REST API server that takes data from the NBA API and serves it back to a client. So for example, this is it. So, and if you literally just Google X API, like if you Google like, I don't know, biology API or kind of things that people like, movies API, you can you can usually find some sort of open source data set that basically gives you back data about that topic. Right, so this is the NBA API. So for example, like off the top of my head, well not off the top of my head because I've already thought about this, but a feature that you could build is, for example, you could build a server, that, or a very simple API that if you type in, let's say a team, in the URL, or you search a team in the URL, it returns all the statistics about all the players that play for that team. All right, so very simple. Or maybe you type in the position, like point guard or shooting guard, even though basketball is positionless now. But anyway, you could probably do, it would, it would return you back statistics about all the players that play in that position. So again, these are some really good tutorials I think you should start off with. Like I said, Flask, I think that you should start with Python. I think you should start with Django. But if you really, really are a true beginner, start with Flask first. Do a couple of Flask tutorials. Um, the official Flask tutorial is pretty good. This is the very first, um, this Miguel Greenberg Flask tutorial is one of the first tutorials I've ever done. And to this day, it's probably one of the best tutorials I've ever seen. Highly recommend. Then once you get familiar with um, Flask, then you should start to transition into Django. The Django tutorial is really good. The Django S framework, Tango with Django, Django Girls. These are all very good tutorials. They even have an interesting section here on how the internet works. All that stuff I think you should check out. <sighs> data science. So data science is a topic that has recently become very close to my heart. And the reason for this is that if you say, if you look, I realize this about, and the reason for this is that about, let's say last year or two years ago, I realized that if you look at the most valuable companies in the world, Facebook, Google, Amazon, WeChat, Baidu, Netflix. Their real value proposition comes by their large data sets, their ability to analyze those large data sets, and their ability to improve the product based on that data. And with that, I realized that that means the true revenue drivers, the true value adder in a lot of these companies is data science. And so if you want to keep on adding value in a vastly changing world, you know, as front-end development starts to get, you know, commoditized and arbitraged away by other software, and even the same thing you're starting to see now with back-end development, a lot of the true value out, a lot of the innovations happening now in data science. And I realized, man, I got to learn data science. Yeah, so the other thing I was going to mention about data science is that, unlike the other two topics, less so back-end, less less so front-end, and even less so back-end, this is almost the least beginner-friendly one. You can probably get a job at you know a Google or Amazon 
even without a degree, to be honest with you. But with, but when it comes to data science, even with an undergrad degree, sometimes even with a master's degree, it's hard to get a really prestigious data science job. This is the this is the field that tends to be very very less beginner friendly, and very academic and very theoretical. But one of my role models, Benjamin Franklin, he invented things like light bulb and electricity or something like that. But anyway, he invented a bunch of really cool stuff. And I don't think he even graduated high school. So if he can do it, you can do it. Or if he can do that, you can almost do something like that. Or he invented bifocals too, the lightning rod, a bunch of really cool stuff. And he finished the schooling at age 10. So yeah, if he can do it, you can do it. So even with when it comes to something like data science, but again, if you thought web front-end development was overwhelming, and you think back-end front-end development, if you think front-end development is overwhelming, and then you think back-end development is even more overwhelming, data science is very, very complex. But don't let that discourage you because what, what I sort of used to do with data science and like sort of learn data science, learn machine learning, was the same way I learned everything else. I find a tutorial, I blindly just copy and paste whatever they tell me to do, and I gradually add my own little modifications. So I start with a very, so I find, first I find a very, very good detailed tutorial that tells you exactly what to do. I copy and paste that, and then I add my own little modifications. And then, especially with something like machine learning, where sometimes I feel like I built it, but I don't understand the underlying math and science behind it. What I then do is then I try to basically take what I just learned and turn it into a tutorial or a talk, right? So like, okay, if I was to give a presentation on this topic, how would I teach someone else what I just learned? And I feel like with something like data science, it tends to be very, and machine learning, it tends to be very theoretical, very academic, very abstract. I think that's one of the best ways to really make sure you crystallize and understand what you think you understand. So a really good website I recommend is called pythonprogramming.net. A lot of my tutorials that I did for machine learning was off of this site. Strongly recommend it. Go to data analysis and there's also, um, yeah, if you go to data analysis, you can find a lot of the good stuff you want over there. Or you can just search machine learning. Another really good site is machine learning mastery. Just a wealth of information, just a bunch of information over here. It could be very overwhelming on this side as well. So just click on, if you go to the your first machine learning project, this is gonna it'll break things down for you and make things a lot more digestible and easy to understand. Yeah, like I said, following my own advice. So when I first learned machine learning, I built this thing called Austrian Chrome, which is like an algorithmic trading program. One of the first things I did was I actually gave a talk about machine learning at my summer internship. Now this is the this is like sort of like the really funny part like looking back on this. So this is the picture of me giving that talk. So I pretty much gave a talk on a topic that I just learned. So it was almost like while I was teaching while I was teaching people about machine learning and like the fundamentals and how to apply it to projects, I myself was just learning it and that's okay. You know, while you, and that fact I think sometimes that's some of the best times to learn because then sometimes people in the audience can even call you out and then you can even learn in the process. I wouldn't recommend it, but the point is Learn something, and then while you're learning it, or once you learn it, try and teach other people as well. You get to do a favor for someone else, and you get to fill gaps in your own knowledge as well. Those are some more machine learning projects you can check out. Like I said, this is me at my internship giving a talk about machine learning. Practice what I preach people, skin in the game. Okay, now. How do we put all these different topics together?
so this is sort of how I think your programming journey should be. First, you build three projects using React or Angular. So you start with a very simple tutorial, then build another one, then build another one. At that point, you should probably understand the fundamental basics down, <clears throat> and you probably know how to use GitHub at this point. Then you should build a REST API using Python and Django, or Ruby on Rails. But I would recommend a Python Django. Then you create a data science project that takes an input, processes the input using machine learning, and generates an output. So for example, you can build a front-end web app. So the front-end web app could be like a web app that people could access on their phone or on the computer. That makes a call to a REST API server in Python Django and sends that information back. Now, in the server, you could add a feature, for example, that you submit a picture, it runs some sort of maybe neural network image categorization processing, and sends it back to the user, and basically tells the user what is it, what objects are in that picture. Very simple API, and you get to touch all the different parts of the stack. So here's another example, right? So, so the example I put here is not actually good, so I'll upload it. I'll upload the slides, but a better example could be you open up a web app, and, and then so on your front end, so you build a front end web app where a user can either submit an image or a name. When you submit a name, the front end API, the back, so the front end API makes a call to the back end server REST API, which returns the statistics about that player to the user. So that's the front end and the back end part. You could add the second feature where if you submit an image, it submits it to the back end API. The backend API calls another machine learning project that could do maybe image processing or imaging categorization or OCR and can actually detect who the player is in that picture, get the name as a text file or as a text, and return it back to the user says, this is a picture of player X or player Y. So this is a really simple and really neat way to convert to combine all the player all the different layers of the um, coding and technology stack into one neat project. And now, the conclusion. I don't know why I always do this. Um, so I hope you guys can see this, but I, so, so a couple of best practices for you to follow when you're um, starting off programming is, I recommend you create a personal web page, a platform that you own that sort of brings all your different things on the internet into one place. I'm gonna make a video about this in the future, but don't rely on having platforms like LinkedIn or Medium or Twitter, Instagram. You should have a, a sort of piece of internet real estate, I like to call it, that you own and all the different things you want to showcase people, you put it over here. Number two is a very well-documented readme.md. Um, so basically what this means is that you should have, you should have a, so whenever people, like, so if someone's on the internet and you show them your GitHub, each project should be very well-documented so that if someone saw this project for the first time, they can understand A, exactly what you're trying to build, preferably a live demo of the project, and then instru instructions for them to set up what you built on your machine on their own local machine. So here's a good example of the Tila Tech landing. Right, so like I said here, so I didn't really follow my own advice that much per se, but it does have, for example, instruction on how to get the machine running on your own local machine here, which honestly is probably the most important thing. And then, you know, I should, theoretically I should add maybe a little blurb on what the site does and how they can see the live demo of the actual site. And finally, I can't stress this enough. I really think if you have, if you learn a new concept, you should definitely try to teach people. Um, again, this is a really good way to help other people and it even helps yourself crystallize your own understanding more. And again, if you're really not comfortable with teaching other people or you know, putting your content out on the internet or whatever, you can honestly just record the video and make it private or make a blog post and not show anyone. You know, 
That way you can still get the benefits of creating a piece of content that you can help you crystallize your own knowledge and you get to don't have to deal with trolls or whatever. And finally, the internet is an amazing place. You know, a lot of, you know, technology right now is sort of in a, a lot of backslash in the media. People are, you know, are having a hard time adjusting because, you know, sometimes it's not their fault, but that's a different topic. My point is this, 2019, what a time to be alive. Um, I'm going to link a tweet below or maybe in the description to the video. Basically, a guy basically said that you can basically store a company today on the internet for like less than $10. Amazon, Facebook, Google, all these different companies give us huge amounts of leverage. I think we're trying to take advantage of them. Coding is just one of the ways for us to basically take advantage of the amazing tools that technology have given us. Um, so like I said, there's a lot of stuff in this article. Feel free to treat it like a buffet. Pick and choose the stuff that applies to you. And let's try and make sure that we can be the person we want to be. How does it go again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be the person in 2019 that the person in 2020 will love. Thanks for watching, guys. Thank you.